What's up, guys? Tired of your insure tech solutions coming up short? We've seen tech services that aren't industry-specific, just some tech firm slapping an insurance sticker on it, but not really understanding our business. We need an agency-centric solution. Technology is built by insurance pros for insurance pros to streamline our processes. A great example of that is ePay Policy. All these guys do is insurance. That's their only focus. They are a great go-to service for ACH and digital credit card payment processing that helps you bind policies faster, and they seamlessly integrate with a ton of management systems. Head on over to ePayPolicy.com, check them out, and use the promo code IGPODCAST to get your first month free. I don't know that Elon Musk is working on a self-driving insurance agency, but until he does, we've got ePay policy. It's like being on autopilot. Flip the switch, lean back, take a nap. Let's go. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. Parade first team, all American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott, how are you today? You are looking dapper today. Hey, we ought to be in the park right now over there off of uh, Dolphin Street on a picnic blanket. I could have made us a little picnic together, and I could be feeding you grapes right now while we talked about social justice issues. (laughs) I interviewed a a candidate this morning, so I felt like I had to put a button up on. You look like you're about to go to the clubby club in that shirt. Laurel hates this shirt, so anytime I get an opportunity to wear it, I wear it. I understand. The last time I wore this was at Arrington Vineyards, actually. So it's kind of, kind of how you described. <laughs> Bradley, I've got an opportunity for you. Okay. Been giving something a great deal of thought. Okay. Now, on behalf of all the podcast listeners and thought leaders in the industry, we understand and are concerned about your addiction to social media. <laughs> Here is my proposal to you. I start a GoFundMe account. And we pick a month, could be the month of October if you'd like, and we raise a certain amount of money to get you to do this. And once that amount of money is achieved, Bradley takes a break, a timeout, if you will, from social media for one month. How long is the timeout? 30 days, one month. And how much money would myself and the podcast listeners have to raise to get Bradley off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and what's the other one? I'm LinkedIn, five sites that you cannot touch for one month, 30 days. Don't do it, Bradley. Don't do it. Can I pre-schedule posts before I go off? Sure. Yeah, you just have to be off for 30 days. Um. We'll call it Bradley's social media rehab. You might want to give this some thought before you commit to doing this, because I don't know if you can make it happen or not. Let's 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 go a hundred grand. A hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. I was thinking like a thousand. <laughs> it looks like it's not gonna happen then. A hundred thousand dollars? 
It's so integral to our agency, though, man, is the thing. Mm. Guys, I'm excited about the podcast today. Bradley's rehab from social media, we'll have to <laughs> – We'll have to put a pin in that, guys. But I am fired up about our hey, podcast. If anybody today. has any creative ideas on that, I'm I'm always open to. Yeah, stop doing social media for a month. That's the idea. So it's it's kind of like any anybody have any creative ideas for me to get off crystal meth? Uh, give I me mean, a shout out. Hit me like, up in my DMs. I, I meant like as far as like challenges go, like any kind of. Any, anybody got any ways I could get off heroin? Some creative <laughs> ways to do that. Hit me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> guys i'm excited about our podcast today we got a very special guest on bradley this back to back we're interviewing ceos of major insurance carriers and i've got a thousand questions to ask him guys our mission on this podcast is to help you agents in any way we can we love all of you we appreciate you the way you can love us back is to like subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast it would mean a lot to me it would mean a lot to bradley so here we go Today's guest on the podcast, he founded the InsureTech startup Neptune Flood in 2016 based on a business model leveraging artificial intelligence and data analytics to make it easy to buy flood insurance. And my God, he has done that. Neptune, with business in 43 states and over 40,000 policies, is the fastest growing private flood insurer in the United States of America. Prior to forming Neptune, he was the CIO at Bankers Insurance Group, and he ran a group of technology businesses in the UK and led the U.S. consulting firm Idea Integration. He has an electrical engineering degree from Vanderbilt University and additional education at Wharton, NSAID, and Cornell University. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce today on the Insurance Guys podcast for the very first time, Mr. Jim Albert. How are you, Jim? Thank you, Scott. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on here, and you guys do an amazing job with your podcast, so I am honored to be your guest today. Jim, I cannot tell you how humbled and honored I am to be on this show with you today, and I want to ask you the question that I have 250,000 insurance agents from around the world standing at their desk right now with bated breath waiting for me to ask you, are you ready for that question? Okay, bring it on, yeah. How in the hell do you start an insurance carrier? <laughs> That's maybe the hardest question you could have asked me right out of the gate. You know? <laughs> you Probably of, a lot of moving parts to that in there. You, you, it's either sheer stupidity or ignorance. It's, it's one of the, those two things. But. I, I'm, te I'm telling you right now, there's 250,000 insurance agents listening to this right now. And at one point in their career, one day, after eating a bad piece of pizza at 12 midnight the night before, they looked around and they said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start a damn insurance carrier. That's what we ought to do. You know, it is a lot about you don't know what you don't know until you get into it. And right. I'm not I'm not really an insurance guy. I'm a technology guy from my career, as you went over in the intro there. I got into insurance in 2012. That's the first time I had a role in an, in an insurance company. There were a lot of legacy systems and there was a lot of regulation and there was all that going on. But in 2015 and in 2016, I founded Neptune. The idea was look at what's going on in the insurance sector. I've spent a lot of time working in retail or in other financial services or other industries, especially through my consulting firm. 
And, and you can see that this Amazon-like buying experience is in every other industry, but why is it not in insurance? And a little bit in auto, maybe, maybe auto's the, the pioneer here and ease of use for insurance, but homeowners is still a, a lot of work. And so the idea was, let, let's take this idea of the one-click buy, the ease of use, and also let's take the data analytics that are available now because computing is so much better and the consumer expectations are to just do a one-click purchase. So when you enter an address on Neptune, for example, I call in 50 different data points right away within one second. And within two minutes, you can get a quote, you can bind your policy, you can sign your documents and you can make your payments. So. But that does, we know that happens in other industries and there's certainly no reason that it can't happen in insurance as well. At that time in 2016, you didn't hear much about the term insurtech and now it's everywhere. All, all you can hear is insurtech. Now, now you got non-insurtech saying, oh, we're an insurtech. <laughs> exactly. Everybody wants to attach that label. So anyway, now it is, what we created was a totally digital company and had to learn along the way. I remember sitting in a meeting room in London with, with Lloyd's representatives thinking, my gosh, these people have spent 30 years of their lives knowing the ins and outs of insurance. And I'm kind of three years into this industry. Do I even belong here? But the fact of the matter is the timing was right. And, and we can go over later on and call as to why flood was such a, a good opportunity and why flood is such a great opportunity for your agents that are listening to this podcast, because it truly is. Jim, I want to say this. Last week, I had one of my agents call me at four o'clock on a Friday, and we were talking about a lot of things. And in the midst of that conversation, she goes, you're not going to believe this. I just sold the flood policy through, <laughs> Net through Neptune. Okay. Now, you know, you think, well, that's just, you know, that's not a big deal. Agents sell flood insurance all the time. She is by far the worst person I have ever seen with technology. <laughs> I have had IT people threaten to quit because she literally will break any technology that I put in front of her. She could break anything. It doesn't matter. But for her to be able to get in and write a flood policy as easy as she talked about doing it, I was like, man, that system must be so user-friendly. And it is. Have you tried it, Scott? I have not. I'm out of the days of writing insurance policies. I have. Bradley um, has. I, I think yeah. ease of ease of doing business on the consumer side and on the agent side is so important to carriers nowadays. Right. And there's carriers that we have that, to be frank, I know we're not going to have long term because they don't make it easy for us to do business with them. And is as important as it is on the customer side. I think it's 10 times more important on the agent side for the carrier, because if I've got to click control zero, control F5 every time to make the radar work, and if I've got to be on Internet Explorer, and I, even if I like that carrier, I'm just inherently not going to gravitate towards them mm. as much as I would somebody else. You know, we have carriers that I'm not particularly fond of, as much as other ones, but we put more business with them because it's just easier. And I know there's people listening thinking, young buck, you're going to learn a thing or two. No, it doesn't have to be the way we've always done it, right? There's, there's an easier user experience out there. 
Absolutely. And, and our goal here is to make it easy to buy flood insurance. Right. The fact of the matter is, and I've talked with thousands of agencies at this point over the last four years, and many of them, most of them did not quote flood just because it was such a pain with the NFIP and 54 questions and a 30-day delay and low coverages and a home inspection. Now, put it in context of a pandemic coronavirus, nobody wants a home inspection. You don't want anybody coming to your home right now. So this touchless flood insurance is really unique and it brings a lot of agents into the market. Yeah, it, it is a, a huge opportunity though. And, and the big thing, I call it the biggest greenfield opportunity in property and casualty. And that's backed up by Marsh McLennan and some others. Guy Carpenter have also used that term. But right now there are only 5.5 million flood insurance policies in the US on a residential basis. But Veris did a study in 2019 that identified 62 million homes at moderate to extreme risk of flooding. You can run those numbers. More than 90% of the homes that are at significant risk of flooding do not have any flood insurance. Right. And then we see it again and again. We see it with Harvey. We see it with Florence. Thankfully, Mobile dodged a bullet with this storm just recently, and it moved a little bit to the west. But that could have been the situation as well, where you see a high percentage of people with no insurance. And it's just this recurring tragedy that's, that happens again and again. So in summary, starting in the flood insurance space was a really good opportunity because of climate change and growth and a significant gap. But there's also a higher calling of trying to fill in that coverage gap and, and do, you know, do some right here. How did you guys approach it from a technology standpoint? Did you build your technology from scratch? Did you whiteboard it out? Or ha talk about that process a little bit because it is a, a really clean UX, and it's especially on the commercial side as well. Yeah, there, well, there are a couple changes. So the NFIP is 50 years old and it's still operating largely as it did in the 1980s. I mean, there are great people there really trying to accomplish a lot, but they're stuck with some old technology. What happened in the late 2005, 2010 was significant advancements in high-speed computing. You had computing power going up. You had API-driven data calls. So you could just enter an address like you do on Neptune's platform, and we can call out for data. Somebody doesn't need to fill in an application and add all that data. I already know, know it all. I'm pulling data from all these different sources. So Bradley, specifically to your question, we pulled that together so that the technology could be occurring in real time. I didn't have to refer it to a backroom of underwriters. In fact, we don't have any underwriters in Neptune. The, the underwriter is a computer. So as a result, we can do millions upon millions of calculations in less than a second, and we can calculate whether the risk is acceptable, we can evaluate the elevation of the property, we can assign a price to it, we can calculate aggregation to make sure that you don't get any surprises later on of, a, of over aggregation like you see with other carriers. And all that can happen and be presented right there in real time. The other thing is we've been able to update it. We're on version 97 of our risk selection and rating engine, and that's in about two and a half years. So if you're in the admitted markets, you go submit your application for a rate change to the Office of Insurance and they evaluate it and come back with comments maybe a month later. And that can't happen in a digital world. You need to be able to move faster. So as a result, we get great input from agents that say, you know, we like this, but if you could do this, it would be even better. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? That's in version 98 of the release that might even be coming as soon as next week. Talk about going to the powers that be at a Lloyd's or a reinsurer and 
pitching no underwriters. How did that, <laughs> I want you to tell me how you felt before the conversation and I want you to tell me how you felt after the conversation. Well, so Lloyd's in particular, and especially in 2017, back in those days, they did not embrace a digital insurance model. <laughs> and rating was done on very transparent set of criteria that they largely determined and they wanted to know the outcomes of every single risk. And I faced a ton of skepticism. It was at that point, I was only five years in the insurance business. And fortunately, the co-founder of Neptune, a guy named Bill Martin, who is now the CEO of Plymouth Rock Assurance in Boston, is a legendary genius on insurance data analytics. So I had him on my side to help give us some additional credibility. But yeah, Bradley, there was, there was a ton of skepticism about it. However, they also were seeing a trend in some other business lines of digital insurance taking off and gradual thawing in the insurance departments of the NAIC that were starting to think that black box raiders were something that they would need to embrace to bring into the market. So one of the Lloyd's syndicates took a risk on us and we delivered thankfully exceptional results even in a year that had Harvey and Irma and Maria and all that. And from that, we were able to get some street cred and then start to build aggressively. You know, there's some carriers, Bradley and commercial insurance that have started utilizing more of an AI approach to small commercial where that'll, it'll fast track green light an account based on premium size and class code. Human never touches it. You enter it in the computer, it carries it through and, gives you a, a quote right then and you can bind right then without a human being ever an under a quote unquote underwriter ever looking at that account. That's right. Yeah. And Scott, that's what we just launched for commercial flood also. Mm -hmm. So you can have that same experience for commercial flood. And that to me, that's possibly an even bigger greenfield than the residential flood space. Cause right now it, that's a more complex environment. There are really more questions and more variables, but in our case, it's the same workflow. In fact, Bradley, you bound one. You bound a commercial policy, didn't you? Yeah. That was, bound, you did. I think I bound one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah, you sure did. We had a client, Scott, that was a restaurant that we wrote and these folks were buying a restaurant. They were buying the restaurant in the middle of COVID, if you could imagine that. Restaurants on the water and we told them, hey, you need you need your GL, you need your EPLI, cyber, da, 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 work comp. And you also need flood. No, we don't need flood. I'm like, you, you should, no, we don't need, you're on the water. No, we don't need flood. The bank's not required. I'm like, okay. And two, okay. days before, two days before closing, they call us freaking out that they needed flood. And I think, Jim, I didn't have access to commercial at the time. And I called my rep and was like, I need you to get me to access to commercial or tell me how to do it. And we quoted it. It was four grand, found it just like that. And I'm really, really impressed. Is it Poseidon that it's called? Poseidon is, is one of our tech engines. Yeah, we yeah, got seven different tech engines inside. But that's really uh, that's impressed with how slick that was. I'm going to ask a, a question. I know you guys sell direct to consumer. I have a different opinion on that than a lot of agents do. Personally, I don't mind some of my carriers selling direct to consumer because that means they're also advertising direct to consumer. And it keeps yep. me from having to sell that carrier to somebody because they've heard of them. But as you know, most insurance agents don't feel that way. What's your pitch to insurance agents why they should put their flood business with Neptune? I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it's very straightforward. So direct-to-consumer converts about 3% of our policies. 
So we've got 42,000 policies as of a couple of days ago, 3% of those went through a direct to consumer channel. Is that ever going to be 10%? I don't know. But what it does is until Neptune's quoting engine went out into the market, if you wanted to find out a flood insurance rate, you couldn't find it out online. You had to go through a multi-day process to get a quote back to you from someone. So there's very little rate transparency. And think about, well, it's certainly a big deal with insurance agents, but it's also a big deal with real estate agents. They go to a closing and they, then the lender says, hey, you, you need flood insurance on this property. I'm like, what? Oh, no. Well, previously, if you had no idea of knowing what the rate was, that could totally blow up the financials of a real estate closing. Now, all you need to do is go to neptuneflood.com. You can get a quote. So most of the people that go to neptuneflood.com are just checking out the affordability of flood insurance. Right. And then what do they do? They need a trusted source. It's perceived as a complex sale. And we embrace the trusted sources of the agent channel. So for example, even though we uh, converted 3% of our policies on direct-to-consumer, we've sent tens of thousands of leads to our agents that originated on that direct-to-consumer channel. So what they get is hot leads, active shoppers that need help of getting over the line and converting. And we are happy to pay that commission and happy to move that to the agent channel and they get the renewals and everything later on. So to me, it actually helps grow the market for all of us. Cool. So are you guys physically sending the leads to the agents or, or just by way of channels they end their, are you saying they end their way back up at the agent's office? No, we send them, we send those leads to the agents. If they don't convert on the direct consumer channel. And it's, I'm guessing it's the same rates in both. Absolutely. Same rates. Yeah. And in fact, we give the agent more flexibility on coverages and on some of the options like number of steps leading up to the house and things yeah. like that. So the agents can, often get a better rate on the agent channel, but there's never a situation where direct-to-consumer is a better rate than the agent channel. And I think that's important. I think so too. Talk, hey, talk a little bit about some of the launching this product into the marketplace in terms of the, the agent channel and things like that. What was that process like? How did you guys go from being a brand new carrier to getting in agents' offices, getting in front of people and selling policies? Yeah, it was a lot of work. Initially, we thought that we would just choose one or two carriers, or sorry, one or two agencies per region of the country. And that really ends up not being a successful model. But we chose a couple agencies that we knew well right in the beginning. And then they helped us a lot with improving the product and adding, improving the workflow. And almost in the beta stage, they were practically co-partners in designing the product. But at its core, they loved the product. So then we started to expand and go to agency conferences all over the country and meet agents and sign up agents as quickly as possible. Hey, Jim, I got a question for you. Commission-wise, we're talking to insurance agents. Those are the people that listen to this podcast. How does your commissions and the commission structure that Neptune has, first of all, I don't even know what it is. What, what is that structure? in terms of new business and renewals? And then how does that compare to the industry averages and, and you know, what the rest of the industry is paying? Sure, so we pay between 10 and 15% is dependent on to whether there's a, a wholesaler or a MGA in, in the middle of the process or not. Right. The, um, the, that top end of 15% would be dependent on embedding our API and certain production targets that are in place. But 
a lot of people initially look at that and say, well, I'm getting 19% via my write your own carrier of the NFIP. So if I can get 19% on an NFIP policy versus whatever, 12% with you, Neptune, it seems obvious, doesn't it? Right. Well, in fact, it's not obvious because first of all, the NFIP pays only on the core part of their quote that is premium. Then they tack on a $250 HFIA surcharge and they tack on a 15% surcharge and they tack on this and that and the other. So once you strip that off, Neptune's premium might be $1,000. NFIP's premium might be $1,100 inclusive of all their fees, but only $700 of the actual premium. So you've got that difference. But then also, it's going to take you 30 to 45 minutes, not even including trailing documents to write an NFIP policy, whereas you can write a Neptune policy in two minutes. You can do 30, if you've got high volume in your agency, you can do 30 Neptune policies in an hour in the time that you do about 1.2 NFIP. So since this question, Scott, I'm glad you brought it up. Since this question has come up so much, we've actually documented the whole commission discussion because I believe that we pay the most commission dollars of anyone. And I also want to pay. I really want agents to make a lot of money selling Neptune flood. Right. Talk a little bit about as insurance agents, we've all, you know, pretty much ever since 2016, you've seen these quote unquote insure techs, these carriers come on the scene, especially in an area where I am, which is coastal, and we have a lot of regional carriers, and even nationally, you see carriers come in, they swoop in, they grab a bunch of business. Um, in a lot of, a lot of cases, it's you know, very aggressive marketing campaigns. And then either one of two things or both things happen. You, you hear a couple of years later, they've got a 4,300% loss ratio. And then all of a sudden they're, they're gone. Um, had, talk a little bit about. Hey, hey Bradley, you had that happen yesterday, didn't you? Pretty much. We had a carrier yesterday that, that sent an email out and said they were basically pulling out of Alabama. It's our fourth biggest carrier, which we're looking at as an opportunity. It just sucks because it was one that I like. But, you know, talk a little bit about your long-term vision of Neptune, of how you're not just going to be a, a technology company that swoops in and, and swoops out. Talk about that a little bit. Sure, sure. There, there are lots of different angles on that. So the one thing about our model that we haven't talked about is we have multiple providers of capacity, but I'm not using those capacity providers pricing and rating algorithms. They accept ours. So they kick the tires on our tech and on our pricing. So whether my policy is written under Markel or Lloyd's Syndicate A or Lloyd Syndicate B or XL with Swiss Re behind it. Those are our, our current buckets. We've got a couple more in, in the works. It's the same price every time. So to your point, Bradley, if let's say Markel doesn't want any risks in Mobile, well, I've got three other capacity providers that I've already negotiated that Alabama is open for business. And I disaggregate, we mentioned earlier that our technology engine calculates aggregation at the time of quote. So I disaggregate across all those carriers at the moment of quote, virtually ensuring that no one gets over aggregated in any one area. And that's what they hate. They, they hate it when, and there are some glowing examples that I won't name on this podcast, but some glowing examples of other flood insurance companies that massively over aggregated in certain areas. And that's why they got booted off the program. And I know that drives agents crazy. If you, you, know, you could quote today and then tomorrow said, Oh, sorry, uh, you know, we're, we're done in Pinellas County and not, nothing more for you there. 
I was driving back from the beach the other day and I saw a billboard from an agency who I didn't know, but it was a billboard and it said, now with new options through da 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 carrier. And about two months before that, that carrier had announced that they'd met their aggregate and were no longer riding in this area. And I just chuckled. I said, I wonder how they feel about that billboard now. Oh, no. uh, could you imagine putting somebody else's brand on your billboard and then them saying, oh, no more business. So there's another angle to it, though, also, and you, and you, you brought up the insure techs or tech startups that are here today grabbing market share. I mean, if I charged $5,000 for a Mercedes, I could be the highest volume Mercedes dealer in the, in the U.S., but I wouldn't last very long. And that's certainly not our model. Our model, unlike many other insure techs, is to actually be profitable. So there's not, a, in fact, we've been profitable since May of 2019, every month since then, and, and certainly we're very, very confident that that's going to be the case going forward as well. So there's not going to be any quick roll-up occurring of Neptune because of fears over profitability or sustainability of a business model. We want a business that's going to be here for a long time, and you can just renew and quote and renew and continue doing that with us. Uh, the other measure of success, though, is a loss ratio. And, and I mentioned that this, this use of data analytics is great for ease of use. Two minutes, quote, to bind. It's wonderful. Pre-fill, you don't have to be asked a question I already know the answer to. But the other thing is it delivers outstanding results. So it's single risk modeling of the actual structure on the actual property every single time. It means that you may get a quote of $600 for your house and your neighbor may get a quote of $1,500 for their house, but there's a material difference in the risk. The NFIP doesn't do it that way. They just paint a broad brush on the whole neighborhood. So as a result, the loss ratios are good. We'll, we'll give you a quote roughly 91% of the time. So it's not like we're cherry picking only a tiny percentage of the, the homes that are out there. Virtually every address you give us, we'll give you a quote. 60% of the time, it'll be less expensive than the NFIP. But the loss ratios are also really good, which also minimizes the likelihood that those capacity providers are going to say, whoa, Jim, you blew out a 4,300 loss ratio last year. We'd like you to not sell for the next six months. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, you have a lot of insure tech companies or insurance companies that are building their business to be acquired. Not that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, and that's okay. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with building a business with the goal of being acquired eventually. Yeah, I told somebody the other day, I've got three, I'm working at three businesses I'm, I'm actively in pretty much every day right now. I told somebody the other day, the fourth one I'm building, I'm building to sell, but I got I to gotta drop one. But anyway, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think when you build a business to be acquired, there are going to be some balls that are dropped, some things that aren't necessarily as important you know, me right now with Portal, right? I'm building this to be profitable. This is going to be my forever business. If I was building it to, to sell it in two years, all I'm worried about is top line growth. I'm not worried about anything else, right? Let's get as many users, as many customers as we can get. That way it looks attractive on paper. And not that profitability wouldn't look attractive on paper, but, and I just think that you've had, you have that issue with a lot of companies that, you know, they want to, a state farm or a travelers or whoever to buy them or a venture capital firm to buy them. And they're not necessarily worried about giving the best being profitable, which is going to lead to giving the best user experience, best agent experience and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Yep. We're building Neptune for the long run. 
And I think you make compromises if you're not, if you're wishing for a turn in a, in a month or a year or a couple of years, then you're probably going to compromise on investment in the business. And that ends up jeopardizing the business and creating risk for everybody. Well, not only that, if, if you have a shadow of a doubt that you're, if you have a, an inkling that you ever might sell through an agent distribution channel, don't crap on that distribution channel in your advertising campaigns when you launch. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah, Jim, that's another area where Bradley and I differ. Everything I own is for sale. I had a guy come over. I had a guy. I had a guy come over to my house the other day, Jim, and he said, "Man, that's a nice truck. I love your truck." And I said, "Twenty-six thousand dollars." He said, "What?" And I said, "Twenty-six thousand dollars." You drive off with it right now. So everything I own is for sale. Anybody want to buy my agency? Call Scott Howell, 256-293-2776. I'm always open for discussions on anything you would like to buy from me. Are you in the market for a truck, though, Scott? (laughs) If somebody wants to pay $26,000, they can drive off my parking lot right now with a brand 2015 GMC Denali. Hey, Jim, I got some questions for you before we go. Question number one, tell me the warts. What do you guys need to improve on? Look at, look at yourself in the mirror. Drop the ego that everybody has about how we're the greatest and we're the wonderful. What, what are some areas where you guys can improve? You know, one, one area that we're looking at in the future is the claims process. We think our, our claims TPA does an exceptional job mm-hmm. once the claim is entered. Mm-hmm. However, I think first notice of loss is a – not a great area anywhere in flood insurance in particular. And that needs to be really easy. We would, we're actually, I'm looking at, and I was talking with a company earlier today on how we might improve on the FNOL side and the, and the tech side of, of the claims process. Cause that's our reputation is on the line every time there's a claim. And do you know, you know that independent adjusters actually make more money on flood claims? I didn't know that. Yeah. So. So I have friends, some of my best friends are adjusters, right? I grew up with them, kindergarten, that kind of thing. One of them has been an adjuster with Allstate for years and years and years. Went, got, you know, there's a specific training course, not just like getting on the web and me becoming a – Bradley, did you know I became a preacher? Did you know that? I I can't say that I'm surprised. Yeah, so I I got online – I filled out this thing at the Universal Church of whatever. Why have and you I, not I, I am an or, I am an ordained minister right now. I am an ordain. It took me about thirty minutes to become an ordained minister, and then I had to go marry somebody. Somebody wanted me to. Is there the, footage of that wedding? Absolutely. Please video. tell me. I'll, please tell me you started I, it like you did the podcast intro. <laughs> I will. I will send you the video of me marrying somebody. Anyway, How long ago was that? Uh, three four months ago. Why haven't we talked about this? Uh, dude, I've got so many things I haven't told y'all about. I mean, it's like the Gulf of Mexico. Anyway, so my buddy, one of my friends that's an adjuster, he's been adjusting for Allstate for years and years and years. He calls me about six months ago. He goes, he goes man, I got to get into this flood adjusting stuff. And he makes damn good money with Allstate. Damn good money as an Allstate adjuster. And I think he's actually adjusting now. Bradley, what's the new InsureTech? Uh, is it Purely? Pure? Openly. Is there one called Pure, maybe? I have Pure, Pure is a carrier that just got acquired recently. 
Okay. I think it's I'm gonna, pure. I'm going to start banana insurance. I don't know. Like there's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. But anyway, he's, he's doing adjusting for one of those, you know, new ones. But he was telling me about how much more money there is in the flood adjusting. And apparently there are a lot of adjusters that are looking into becoming flood certified so that they can do more of the flood mm-hmm. adjusting because, the you know, it just pays more than just, you know, property adjusting. But I don't know where I was going with that. I I'll, I'll give you another one, though, Scott, to your question. I probably shouldn't be offering up Achilles heels here, but the – I, th- I think it's an industry issue. When I right. talked earlier about 90% of the people who should have flood insurance don't have any at all. Right. They, so there's a real education issue that I don't think we've cracked the code on as an industry at all. And we put all kinds of good stuff in our FAQs and we send out video tutorials and we do all kinds of stuff. And yet we went to uh, the last travel, significant travel I did was to a real estate conference out in Las Vegas in March, March 13th, when everything shut down. And, and I found that most real estate agents were not aware that there was any option other than the NFIP. So despite climate change, climate change is real, guys, and, and we, we all see it in the way the storms hit and how intense they are and how much water they dump. And yet, as an industry, people are not really getting that they have significant risk. So I've spent a lot of time trying to focus on this issue, but I think we can do a much better job with it. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is a byproduct of how difficult NFIP has made it just to get a quote. Like, pretty much every single quote I quote for somebody that's in Flood Zone X, it's going to be about the same price. Why does it take 18 minutes to get a quote? <laughs> Agreed. You know, like, I, I remember there was some bad two, two flooding minutes, here. Two minutes. <laughs> there was some bad flooding here a few years ago, and there was a lady on the news saying, my agent never tried to sell me flood insurance, yet my house is flooded right now. I'm like, A, she's got a point, but B, like if you tried to do that with everybody through NFIP, I mean, that's all you'd be doing all day long. And so I think one thing that made me fall in love with Neptune when I first started using you guys is you solve that component, right? It takes two minutes. We have our own custom quote proposal that we use in our agency. When you get a homeowner's quote from us, it's a portal. It's got our branding on it. And we don't give the carrier quotes. And at the bottom, we put flood insurance quote. Here it is. And then under that, you know, portal recommends flood insurance be purchased by every client. And then, you know, uh, the, the big line I always use is like, look, well, I'm not in a flood zone. Everybody's in a flood zone. It's just to what degree are you in a flood zone? But I'll tell you one area that we have found that you guys saw really well is those, you know, those houses, Scott, that are like, they're in a flood zone. They may be even in a bad flood zone, mm-hmm. but when you look at them, you're like, that son of a gun ain't never going to flood. Right. Those are the ones that we've actually, we've actually found that Neptune does really, really well on because mm-hmm. you guys really look at the house, like even back to the yep. number of steps to the front porch thing, you know? Yep. And then of course you get into lenders with private flood and FEMA and, you know, even you, you have some lenders that, that only want FEMA, you have some that don't care. And, and that, if I'm not mistaken, that law changed last year, right? In July of last year, yeah, they are mandated to accept private flood that has equal or better conditions. We actually attached that, you've probably seen it, Bradley, if you scroll down on the quote, when you hit, hit print quote, mm-hmm. if you scroll down past the quote itself, you see the language from the Bigger Waters Act that mandates that lenders and banks accept private flood. 
the issue that we've run into some is some of the bigger banks won't abide by it. They're, they're like, no, this is our rule. It's got to be NFIP. Yeah. If you ever, ever want us to weigh in, my investor and now CEO of Neptune is, uh, had started a bank. He's an ex Morgan Stanley guy. And then he started and founded a, a very successful bank here in Florida. And my COO is also an ex banking guy. So we've got some real in-house talent that speaks yeah. banking language. And anytime you, we need to engage with a lender to get them over the line, that's almost a last resort. It's usually not necessary, but it pretty much always works. We, we've had some that, you know, we've gotten through just by sheer will, you know, we've had provided them with the documents. So look, here's where it changed, you know, in a lot of cases, it's the difference between buying the house and not buying the house. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to speak to the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this right now. For seven years, Scott Howell joked about flood insurance. I joked about it. I would, we're in North Alabama, foothills of the Appalachian mountains. Never had really seen a flood in my life. And I'd be selling somebody a homeowner's policy. And it was like, you don't need flood insurance, do you? Ha ha ha. About nine or 10 years ago, and I don't know the exact date, Nashville, Tennessee flooded. And when I say flooded, half of that damn place flooded. Mm -hmm. Nobody had flood insurance. Wow. And after that catastrophe, because that's what it was, that's when I kind of stood up and I said to myself, shit, I need to know more about flood insurance. I need to learn about the the different zones. I need to understand as much of it as I can. Now, Jim, I don't know if you know who I'm speaking of right now. My agency has partnered with Chris Green, the flood insurance guru.com. If you don't know oh, Chris. Know. Yep. Yep. So yesterday, Chris calls me. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, you are about to get the best Google review for your agency that you have ever had in your life, Scott Howell. And I said, well, that's great. What did I do, Chris? And he said, well, you had a lady that one of your agents sent me. We send all of our difficult flood cases to Chris because he has a doctoral degree in flood mitigation. He figured out that whoever had surveyed for the flood had put them in the wrong zone, and he had the opportunity to call one of my clients yesterday and tell them that he was going to save them something like ten or $12,000 on flood insurance. Wow. And the lady started crying, <laughs> crying. Wow. And the, the reason I bring this up, guys, and I'm speaking to the agents out there, a lot of you are probably like me, or at least like I was, and I was like, yeah, flood insurance. I live in middle America. I'm never going to have flood here, which, as I always tell you people, it's like my buddy that was on the ride at Six Flags over Georgia and said, I never get wet on these rides right before he went down the ride and he looked like he just came out of a swimming pool. That's what's going to happen to you one day. You're not going to sell flood insurance. Major catastrophe is going to happen. Half your book of business is going to call you and go, why didn't you ever offer me a flood policy? Or my house is flooded. I know it's covered on my homeowner's insurance, right? So... I got a funny story <laughs> um, and this speaks to how easy it is and how good of a job Neptune does to make it easy to buy flood insurance. So I had two new guys that I'd hired and I was training them and I did a, and this was in the middle of like in the middle of like right when COVID started, this was like March, April and everybody's working from home and 
And the working from home thing was like so great for us because it exposed a lot of areas that I needed to patch up. I had these two guys, I was like, okay, we're gonna do a training day. Here's a spreadsheet. I want you to check every carrier that you need help with, how to quote and bind. And Neptune was one of those. So I, we get on a Zoom call and I go all day. We go through every single carrier and I recorded each session and I saved it in our agency's intranet. That way they can go back and reference it. Good job. That's, that's, and, that's best practice. Good job. And uh, Thank you. And Neptune was one of those. About two weeks later, I get an envelope in the mail, Scott. Here's your flood insurance policy with Neptune. Because we were quoting my house <laughs> in the training. It was so easy to do it. I did not realize that I had actually bound it. Oh, you bound it. <laughs> on my house. So that's the story. That is hilarious. Yep. Hey, I love Scott. that so much. Hey, Scott, what, what you were saying just a minute ago is, is yeah. so true, though, because the, the mantra is flood insurance not required. You see it right. on real estate signs. You hear it from lenders that say, good news, you're, on, you're not required to have flood insurance. And then people walk away saying, excellent, honey, we don't, we don't need flood insurance. Totally different things. Yeah, not required exactly. does not equal not needed. And That's exactly not. right. With, and this isn't just a hurricane thing. I mean, look at the Mississippi floods in 2019. There were towns flooded for seven months. Yep. That hasn't happened since 1927 or so. Yep. So it is a significant risk that actually, especially in X zones, is not expensive to get coverage. And we pretty much routinely underprice the NFIP even in X zones. Yeah. You said something earlier that kind of spoke to me when you mentioned global warming. I do believe that with scientifically scientific fact that the climate is changing and it seems like for the last five or 10 years, you take one region of the United States could be the Midwest, could be the South, could be the what Texas, whatever. There just seems to be at least one major catastrophe a year, usually in a different place yep. where, you know, CNN, Fox, NBC, ABC is all covering it for like five days of, my God, this town's completely underwater. Every year, every year it happens. Now, the question to all these insurance agents is, when is the, uh, the roulette wheel going to fall on you? When, it, when is Black 12 going to hit on your spot? And then you're like, oh, shit, we should have been selling blood insurance. And yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you live in the mountains of North Carolina somewhere, that won't ever happen. But, you know, places like Tupelo, Mississippi, and all these small towns dotted all over the United States that aren't so high up above everything else in terms of elevation, man, you, you got to be yeah. careful. You got to be careful because you're going to have some pissed off people when half your book of business of a $5 million personal lines agency is underwater and every one of those bastards is going to call you wanting to know why you didn't sell them flood insurance. That number I used earlier is 62 million homes at moderate to extreme risk of flooding. Right. That's half the homes in the U S right. So it, it's not like that's one in 10. It's half the homes in the U S are at moderate to extreme risk. I'm just laughing at Scott saying every one of them bastards, <laughs> every one of the bastards is going, why didn't you sell me any flood insurance? Well, Miss Jones, you uh, have a have a declination page signed here saying you didn't want floodage. Yeah, but you didn't tell me enough about it. I would have got it. I, I I know they all call me every week. 
yelling about something, and they will show enough get after you when when their entire oh 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 Jim. Before we get off this podcast, let's talk about this. How important is it to have flood insurance, especially if you've got like a finished basement? Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is the statistics and the analytics. I, I looked at this for literally years, wondering the increased risk. Look at the NFIP pricing. The NFIP uplifts from 25 to 40% for a, for a basement. Yeah. It, Basement is is a significant risk, and you put nice TV down there, and couch, and some electric electronics equipment, and a carpet. That's a that's a big loss waiting to happen. I I, w- I would go so you know what? When we get off this podcast, I'm gonna, I'm going to send every agent in my office an email. I don't care if that son of a bitch lives at the top of Space Mountain. If they have if they have a finished basement, they get a flood quote. Period. End of sentence. Don't care. I don't care where they live. They're getting a flood quote because that's how important it is. If you've got a finished basement, especially, uh, you spent a hundred thousand dollars on your man cave and, Oh, I'll never get wet on this ride. So I don't need flood insurance. Just like Jim just told everybody, you know, every bank in America, when they say we don't need flood insurance from you, every person that hears that thinks I don't need flood insurance, which is the furthest thing from the truth. They need to stop doing that, Jim. They really do. Mm-hmm. But every every person in my agency is going to get, from now on, is going to get a, a flood quote from Neptune if they have a finished basement. Don't care where they live, period, in a sentence. Bradley, you got anything else before we go? I got We got to get off this podcast. I can say it any better than that. Yeah. Jim, would you uh, tell us, uh, before we leave, I want you to tell everybody if they're not, they don't have a contract with Neptune, and they would like to get one and have the easiest flood platform to quote on in the history of the world since Jesus walked on earth, tell everybody what they need to do to get their contract with Neptune Flood. Okay, it's real simple. All you need to do is go to support at neptuneflood.com. There's a spot there to sign up as an agency, to enter your interest to signing up as an agency with Neptune. And then my contact, in case that fails for any reason, you can get in touch with me at jim at neptuneflood.com. And we'll be glad to help you out. We, uh, we, we love the agent channel. You guys are the, the lifeline and education channel to the consumer on this, on this thing. And we gotta, we gotta solve this coverage gap. So really, uh, hey guys, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your, your podcast. You do a great job. Jim, I have one last thing to say to you before we go. I'm not gonna put you on the spot. But if there ever comes a time in the next two to 10 years when you sell Neptune Flood for $3.7 billion to somebody, I want you to come pick me up in your G5 unless you and I go to the Caribbean and skin it back for a week. How does that sound? You got it. And I might even buy your truck from you, Scott. So. $26,000, people, and it can be yours. It'll be like, it'll be like 12000 in a few years. So. I can, hey, listen, I'll sell you my truck. I can marry you. I can fix your watch. Whatever you people need, I can do for you, baby. Hair That's what I do. Care and tire center. That's it. That's it. Guys. As I always end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out in the big bad world and sell insurance. We just put another arrow in your quiver. You're welcome, free of charge. 
didn't cost you a dime. Now you can go get registered with Neptune easily, as easy as anything you've ever done, quote, flood insurance. And then you can start talking to people about value when you talk, when they call in to get a quote, hey, let's talk for just a minute about flood insurance, okay? Or if you save them, I'm about to give everybody a life hack, Bradley, insurance life hack for you. They call your independent agency. They've been with Allstate, State Farm, whatever. You save them a ton of money, a ton of money. Why not put the Neptune flood quote in there with it? And then sell the value and say, hey, I got great news for you, Mr. Jones. I just saved you $600 on your homeowner's insurance, and now you got flood insurance. <laughs> Boom, mic drop. Scott just did that. <laughs> Happens to us over here. Justin Miller does it every day. If he saves them enough money, they get a flood quote. Happens to us every day, every day. So go out in the big bad world, sell insurance, make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, and your parents who are struggling, living on Social Security and Medicare. Go make money for those people. Figure out what your why is. Increase your frequency. We love you. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you too. $100,000. It's way too much. Folks, we got to figure out a way to break Bradley's addiction to social media. Obviously, my intervention today did not work. We are looking for some other avenues of approach there. So if anybody can figure out how to break his addiction. Somebody commented on the Instagram live I was doing when you said that and said, it's, you only need to go to rehab if it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. Guys, we love all of you. Thank you for listening. Jim, we love you too, brother. Thank you, guys. Awesome job. Appreciate yes. the opportunity. Yes, sir. You have a good, great weekend. We will see you soon here on the Insurance Guys podcast. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.